Hello and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. We're tackling a super light and airy topic today. We're going to be going over the prison system, capital punishment, and public execution. What do you got, Will? See, I have a question for you guys. Should we bring back public executions? The capitalist in me says yes. There's money to be made. Let's do it. How would you monetize that? Pay-per-view. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't just you wouldn't just we'll, buy we'll, we'll also we'll also have like live audience attending we'll do it in like arenas why not do it in like the middle of times square like they used to back in the old days because if you do it in the middle of times square you're gonna get people that get to watch it for free so so i want to make money yeah, well people pirate ufc fights anyway that's true but but now <clears throat> if let's say we did bring back public executions if we did, why do you think that the United States government would choose to do that? Or wh- why would the voters who elected the officials who made this happen choose to do that? Bold of you to assume that the uh, the voters have any say in the 21st century democracy we have. Okay, well, then the United States is a fascist dictatorship and this choice was made for us. Here's the thing. And Justin, I know, I feel like you haven't gotten a chance to say a word yet, but the u.s public never really stopped public executions like it was just kind of like deemed a societal no-no but like it it didn't fizzle out because people all of a sudden overnight were like this is terrible it's kind of a government decision to say "Mm, probably shouldn't do this well that's not justin what do you have to say jeez um do I think that we should bring them back? Yeah. I guess I'm not opposed, but it would like what's what's our purpose here? Like, if we're bringing them back to put turn them into pay per view spectacles, uh, I don't know if I can get on board with that. Okay, so there would be two reasons that I can think of that we would bring public executions back, and that is number one, keep the public in line, show that. You know, (laughs) you take you take hardened, like, you know, you take seriously messed up dudes, you know, that deserve to be put down and you execute them in public so that if you fuck up bad enough that the United States will kill you over it. And then the other reason would be that these were men and women that are on death row anyway. And, you know, being that we are all capitalists here. We could try to make a buck off of it, like Ben said. Here's the thing. I want to make it very clear that my my answer of capitalism over public decency and edu- er, excuse me, an execution was primarily farcical. <laughs> primarily. However, I think before we delve any further, we need to come up with a gradient system for what warrants public execution and what does not. Okay. But before we do that. Let's talk about death row for a second, because if like you, if the if we decide that you're like, oh, we're gonna execute you for your crimes, why wait? No, that's actually a great point. Uh, I don't think that you should be waiting 25, 30 years on death row just to die. I mean, one, what kind of existence is that? You know, you're on death row. You know, you're gonna be executed. How is that humane if you're just making someone sit there so that one day after they're done counting down, they can be like, okay, well, like today's my day. And then you just pull them and 
then you call their ticket, you know, like that's it. But also like from a financial standpoint, why are we keeping these people, you know, 20, 25, 30, 35 years? Not only is it inhumane, but it's just costing taxpayers so much unnecessary, you know, dollars that it makes no sense. Well, why do we have to worry about keeping these prisoners in humane conditions when they obviously themselves have no concern for the humane treatment of other beings, considering that's the entire reason that they're on death row to begin with. I mean, do you know how bad you have to behave to end up on death row? I mean, there are outliers. Yep. There, I mean, there are always outliers and people, so there, uh, there hey, will always quick. be somebody that gets shafted by the system, but I don't think death row inmates hardly qualifies as an exception. How many how many people do you think are on death row right now? Oh, hundreds. Three thousand. Twenty six hundred twenty. Honestly, uh, lower than I thought. So now, considering that um, the Democrats are in the White House and have control of Congress, I'm What's assuming that's that, supposed to be. <laughs> I'm, assuming, well, I'm assuming that we are not executing people right now. No one's getting the needle. I don't even know. Are we still using the chair? No. We have no. not been using the chair for <laughs> Here's the thing, though. France was guillotining people when Star Wars hit theaters, okay? Like, we are not far removed from, you know, old-timey execution ideas. That's very true. But, if you know, like, if we're going to talk about public executions and all that, I think we need to just talk about capital punishment in and of itself first get that out of the way what what warrants capital punishment eye for an eye oh okay <sighs> eye for an eye now if if you whether if you like premeditated cold-blooded murder should be enough that you are in turn killed and you are you know like the government should deprive you of life as punishment for the crime that you have committed assuming that you are found guilty by a jury of your peers but now you get the seriously messed up people like the Ted Bundys of the world that rape, torture, and kill their victims. Well, an eye for an eye, right? They themselves should be tortured to death in public. Hot take, Will. I'm going to take it back a sec. That is quite um, a hot take. God. Um, here's the thing. I'm going to use a very, very relevant recent example. Cain Velasquez is in jail right now for murdering someone who raped his four-year-old child. Should he be found guilty? No. I'm going to need more information. To be fair, he did shoot this man over a hundred times. He just raped your four-year-old. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not saying that like that should be pertinent information. This is such but, a this is such a small line to straddle because truly it does become hypocritical or just, um, I guess, oxymoronic in a sense. Like, you can you can say one thing and then justify another at the drop of a hat on this topic. What was his for, name? For example, Cain Velasquez. Cain Velasquez. He should be found guilty because because. Mind you, he now because it has to do with justice. Cain Vasquez got in the way of justice being served to the individual that raped his four-year-old daughter. Now, as much as it hurts envisioning that my own four-year-old daughter would get raped, Cain Vasquez obviously let his emotions get ahead of him 
and emptied probably two or three magazines into this guy. He took justice into his own hands, and that is illegal, and therefore he committed murder. Hot-blooded and well-deserved as it may have been, he still broke the law and did not let the courts do their due diligence. So are you saying that... So in, in your initial scenario, you say people who commit first-degree premeditated murder should be tried. Are you now saying that like secondary uh, degree or even like involuntary manslaughter, I guess, or voluntary, I suppose, like let's say a husband comes home from work and um, his neighbor is in bed with his wife and because he walks in on the situation, it's really frantic. They're all yelling at each other. He reaches in the top drawer, top drawer of his dresser, pulls out a 44 and shoots them both. But he's it's found, a little Shawshank redemption of you, don't you think? It is, it is. But you know, <laughs> he's found guilty of manslaughter because they take into account the emotions and whatnot. Are you saying that this individual, or I guess if Kane Velasquez, uh, you know, operated under the same MO, you know, his emotions got to him in the decision, are all these people grouped into one and they are all publicly executed? No, I specified that premeditated first degree murder should result in the death penalty. Uh, what about what about raping a small child? Fucking rape the guy in public then. No, but no, no, we should no. He be executed. He should just be executed, which he was. Oh, right. We just took a few extra steps to get. There. <laughs> <clears throat> I don't know. The thing is, you you would have to. For me, this is such a tough conversation to have because you would really have to look at who can really be reformed in prison and also the fact that the prison system as a whole is really a failure like prison has done nothing positive for this country whatsoever aside from maybe keep a few extremely dangerous individuals off the streets and you know a few people who truly deserved it have been executed but all in all i mean we in terms of like incarcerated dude yeah exactly in terms of uh incarcerated population or like the number of people who are actually incarcerated in this country what's the statistic like we have six times the amount of the world incarcerated or something crazy like that i mean or then the next couple of countries behind us i mean it's well, just absolutely gates ridiculous. is profiting from them being in prison so exactly so i mean my, <laughs> i don't have any problem with a well-warranted uh sentence of the death penalty because i feel like there are certain crimes and certain individuals who are traitors to the state or who are serial killers or who rape children who are deserving of that sort of thing but i also don't think that prison itself is inherently effective because when you're putting people in jail for multiple speeding violations or for i don't know alcoholism or for having three grams of weed on you like you're just filling up space practically creating free labor for yourself so it's not benefiting that person. It's only benefiting the state. Um, I don't think prison is a good thing. I think it is in need of reforms. Now, it's ironic that I say that because I think the death penalty can be a good thing. But thoughts I don't on disagree with anything you said, Justin. I think, I think what you actually laid out is probably something that you, Will, and I would agree on pretty, pretty consistently. Before we go down that path, Part of the reason I was trying to get a response out of Will is the goal when we're talking about capital punishment, public execution, and like, you know, like the prison system is to begin the baseline of 
what is warranted, what is not, and why. And so when you're talking about like a public execution, Will brought up the idea of population control. Like you want it to be visible to everyone so that everyone can see, okay, this guy did X, Y, Z. For that, we are going to, you know, put him to death with hot irons. You know, something absolutely barbaric and horrific, you know. But that happened. Like that was that was the MO of public execution from time immemorial until like the 1900s was to say, this guy messed up. Don't do what he did. Otherwise, this will happen to you. Would you disagree, Will? Can you repeat that last statement? The leaders in charge used public execution as an attempt to control the population by saying, this person did this. If you do this, this will happen to you. We are going to attempt to control the population through fear and violence enacted on one individual to control. Yes, they did do that. But it's also worth noting that that was their primary form of population control because there, there weren't really any police forces back then, especially like in the medieval and like the late medieval eras until like the 16 to 1700s. Now, there were, I don't know if you'd call them like detectives or even constables at this point, but whatever law enforcement agents that existed back in the day, they had almost no, like no technology to go off of and therefore had a very low success rate when you, you know, call out to the palace guards and say that your horse was stolen. Chances are they weren't going to be able to find the guy. So on the off chance that they did like apprehend a criminal, they would execute them in public as an attempt to prevent crime from happening with this threat of all these terrible things happening to you in front of everybody, because they knew that the chances of actually catching a lawbreaker and meeting out justice that way were so low. Absolutely. However, it's very interesting to note that while the horrific violence enacted on this person was truly terrible, these events only ever grew in popularity and were often attributed with like events and you know like let's all drink and go watch billy bob joe four doors down who got caught stealing from the king get his hands chopped off and it very quickly i don't, I don't want to say very quickly but it, it delved into this almost form of barbaric entertainment similar to what like rome did with the Colosseums, where like let's go watch this guy get broken on the wheel you know, it might be barbaric, but it'll be cool. You only see this every couple of decades, like, you know. Um, and that was very interesting for me to learn kind of researching this topic. And, you know, like the popularity of these things did not diminish into the 20th century. Justin. <clears throat> I want to revisit. Are you guys advocating for the death penalty as a form of population control? I wouldn't, um, population control, what we don't mean by population control is like with carrying capacity. You mean control of the population? Yes, control of the population. I just don't know preventing crime. that would truly work. I mean, I guess, but like in America, I just feel like people would be like, damn, that's crazy. And then yeah. like, continue to, I mean, if you see a televised public execution, it depends on what happens i think it would definitely garner the same sort of support that it has throughout history where what 
regardless of how sick or like how inhumane it may seem, like people are going to watch. Humans are humans. There's something innately interesting is not the right word, but we're wired to want to watch these things. And even if you're there, you may look away, but you you're still going to <clears throat> watch for part of it just because yeah, you'll, is, you'll always have that piece of you that wants to like poke your, your eye. That's right. It's savage. It's barbaric. And you think it's wrong, but you think it's so wrong that you almost feel compelled to watch because you're wondering how could this even happen? So, right. I just don't know if it would truly control the population unless it really was like, you know, we were just lining people up there every single day. Like, okay, here's another one. Okay. Here's another one. Okay. Here's another one. Like this could be you, but even right. still, I just don't know. I mean, did it work in ancient times? Did it work in medieval times? Like people still stole bread. People still stole horses. People still sold secrets. It just never works. There's no effective way to deter crime simply by cracking down on them harsher, which again goes to what I was saying about, you know, the prison system, a prison system. Solitary confinement has not necessarily been proven to work. Like torture has not necessarily been proven to make someone uh, you know, be a better inmate, uh, withholding food from them, the death penalty, like, I don't know. I'm just, it's a, it's a question that I'm not sure I have the answer to. Well, since you brought up solitary confinement, you could make the argument that solitary confinement in and of itself is a form of execution because I don't know if, what's the longest you guys have ever gone without any human contact. Zero Maybe 24 hours. I was going to say probably 24 hours and that's it. They could go for two days. I mean, I could. Yeah. What about three? Depends where. I mean, depends I think there's a difference between willing uh, disconnection from human contact and unwilling disconnection. Well, there's also a big difference between having the freedom to, in my case, go camping by myself away from everybody. Or you or wouldn't be camping. You would be in a six cement six box. Rooms. Yeah, you'd be in a cement box underground. That's right. Well, I'm saying I think there's a difference between saying like, hey, I really need to disconnect. I'm going on a week long camping trip. I would really love to just spend, you know, a week out by myself in the woods versus being torn from your cell, told you are going to spend a week in solitary and then shoved into a dark, dank box and not let out and not shown any kind of human interaction for a week. So what kind of people deserve to be put in solitary confinement probably the same people that deserve a public execution okay so why would we have both why does the american prison system have both solitary confinement like in perpetuity and also death row um money to be made man money to be made well, yeah, I mean, money to be made, but also I am severely underprepared and I feel like I'm going to say things without having the appropriate evidence to back this up. But, but that has never some, happened on this I know, podcast. I was doing some research <laughs> preparation for this topic and there has been an extensive study done that was showing or has shown that either starting in the 60s or 70s, um, the notion started to be perpetrated that excessive force and extreme um, measures used on inmates would deter it, uh, a that individual from committing more crimes and b other inmates from committing more crimes as well and it just came out that it only made people worse you can't make someone better by treating them like an animal 
So the American- what? that is shocking and wow. astonishing. <laughs> um, I think that we have both right now because it's almost like why not? I guess like that's I, I just think of the the taco um, girl who says like you know porque no la do, no las dos like why like why not both like American prison system is like wow you're saying that we can lock people in boxes and execute them why not like I mean if you have them locked up in prison you know they're not going anymore or going anywhere I should say why why would they not I guess I think truly the prison system in America is the result of hundreds of years of change in society that just has not caught up with the times. And I say that to say that prison in the 1600s and prison today look way different for a number of reasons. You know, there were things called debtor prisons where like, if you were in debt, you were thrown in jail and you would work until you were considered debt free. That's a really shitty plan if you're in debt to like be like, oh, I'll just go to jail and work to pay off my debt. But then now you're, you know, like, but again, like if, if you look at that as like an idea of like, we're going to put you in a, like in a, in a jail cell until you can pay us the money you owe us. It's like, how's he going to make money while rotting in jail? And now his family has to spend money to feed him because, oh, food's not provided in prisons, you know, 400 years ago. To the point where now, if you look at prisons, the majority of prison inmates are unfortunately black, of African-American descent. Like, to me, it seems like this idea that was firmly rooted in racism that has just perpetuated itself to the point where now, like, you know, even though slavery ended in 1865 in the United States, that doesn't mean Jim Crow ended. That doesn't mean that the civil rights movement didn't happen in like the frickin' 60s, which is not that long ago we have not addressed this glaring hole of just blatant racism and segregation in our society. And the fact that it's kind of this, well, like maybe, maybe we can like just kind of tweak it when it's like, eh, this might be a little too left for me, but I'm pretty sure that whole institution just needs to get burned to the ground and rebuilt. I find Hot myself, take. I find myself agreeing mostly with Ben, I like how you said slavery was ended in 1865. I think bona fide slavery, like owning another human being, mm-hmm. was ended in 1865. But I think slavery is still, at least in some capacity, perpetuated through the prison system because inmates are working for two or three cents a day. And right. the government is completely profiting off their labor. And so what's the difference? I mean, the only difference is you're paying them a fraction of you know, of, of a living wage. And so I'm not so naive that I cannot see the necessity to do something about society's criminals. And that's also why I'm not necessarily opposed to the death sentence for, you know, absolutely egregious offenders. But I also think we need something in the middle. I'm not necessarily advocating for Swedish, you know, like the Swedish take or the Norwegian take where it's not really prison or it's not really jail. It's like, um, and it's not a retreat. I mean, you're there, but you're there to recover. You're there to become reformed, you know, and you have access to reading material, access to learning material. You know, you're there to learn from your mistakes and become a better person. I think that's fantastic. But like I said, I'm also not so naive that 
I don't see that some people that's just not going to work for. It's the same thing where people say, oh, we should just like stop spending money on militaries because everyone should just make peace. And like, that sounds incredible. That sounds absolutely amazing if we didn't have to allocate billions and billions of dollars to defend ourselves. But the unfortunate truth is we do. Whether it's a great example of why right now. Exactly. Whether it's another state, whether it's a terrorist group, whether it's a rogue individual of some sort or religious organization, who knows? There will always be a threat to our safety. So we must be ready to defend. And there are always going to be people who will break the law, who will never be able to play by the rules that we want to put in place. Yeah. If you guys say that the entire prison institution should be burned down, what should replace it how would you remake the prison industry in your own image if you were both if you were if you were benevolent dictators of the united states what would it look like 20 years from now i will be the benevolent dictator (laughs) no i will be the benevolent dictator (laughs) i will My name it's is going to be the Spider-Man meme in 20 years. It's going to be like benevolent dictator elections. And we're all going to get up on stage. It's going to be like, <gasps> Yo, straight up, we could like vote out of democracy. I mean, technically, that would be the last time we'd vote. <laughs> how how would that be? Like we, we elect a monarchist into the White House. And we establish a royal family, and they run on the Here's platform. The royal family? Mm. Merit-based royal oligarchy? I just here's the thing. I just why should you care about those people? I mean, like, great, they're okay. royalty, yay! Like, bro, I, you know what? I'm gonna pose that same question on you. Why should you care about inmates? Because inmates. Because are... I almost became no. <laughs> I almost was. Any of you guys ever been to jail? I have not. No. Any of you ever been inside well, of a jail? I mean, yeah. yeah, I've been inside a jail. I haven't been. I actually, technically, I have been locked in a jail, so. My mom dropped me off as like an eight-year-old and just left me for like 13 hours. I'm not kidding. At where? At prison? Yep. And they I'm going to hear more about this. Cell? Yeah, they put me in a jail cell, dude. Why? I was being a really bad kid. And also my mom's friend worked at the jail. So they just locked me up. I No, I'm 100% serious. How old were like, you? I can remember like trying to squeeze my body through the jail. <laughs> how, how old were you? I was like eight, dude. Bro, this is what I'm saying. American prison system put an eight-year-old in a jail cell. <laughs> no, Ben's mom put an eight-year-old in a jail cell. <laughs> the same thing. Here's the thing. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer your initial question. Can we get a here's the thing counter up on the on the in the corner of the screen? <laughs> dude in the chat? Please. We need to deter this guy. Hey, yo, no. Dude, we, we started counting AOs while we were in DC. Hey, yo. Um, that's, that's way. <laughs> what did we get? To, oh, did we get to eight? Here's the things when we were yes, in DC. Easily. We got to eight on the train for crying out loud. Okay, let's backtrack. Shut up. Here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go into solo mode here in a second. How would you remake the prison system? Why should Absolutely. you care about inmates? What I would do if I was faced with this very daunting task is I would release immediately anybody who has been arrested for something that is now decriminalized. Those people should not be in jail. If you got arrested for dispersing marijuana or, you know, something that today I can walk 
200 yards that way to a dispensary and buy and you've been in jail for unacceptable you should not be in jail you are a huge drain on the resources and also you you've had potentially years of your life robbed from you for an arbitrary rule on what you are or are not allowed to put in your body stupid you shouldn't be in jail beyond that people with like traffic violations you do need to make a discretion between reckless endangerment and like you know posing risks to people's lives but like you shouldn't be in jail if you're speeding i don't think that's a jail worthy crime now you should have your license revoked potentially if you drink drunk drunk drive don't drive you know that's a privilege it's not a right but is that is jail the best place for you i don't know i don't think so jail quote unquote is meant to put you in a place where you are going to sit and think about your life and rehabilitate is the, the, the golden arch of what jail is supposed to be. That has not been the case. You devolve into a tribalistic group to live because human beings, when isolated from one another and locked in together, will enact violence upon each other because they have nothing else to do. Imagine that. What a wild concept. There should not be gangs in prisons that carry weapons and like ferment their own want. Like they've created their own micro societies, which is a coping mechanism because they're in an effed up situation. Again, prison, bad, get rid of it. These people that resort to a life of crime typically do so because they are born into a socioeconomic situation that is outside of their control and condemned from their birth to live a life of poverty and desperation that very often will lead to crime as the most lucrative potential to get out of that way of life. Oh, he's spin. Oh <laughs> man, he's going in. Okay. These people should be the recipients of the resources that we are spending on the prison system, if not much more, because if they were given equal access to opportunity and education, truly, I genuinely don't believe that they would consider to commit crime as an alternative. Now, again, there will always be people that will commit crime, but a lot of these people don't want to be doing that. If you have the ability to receive better education, to receive better parenting, and that, that goes far beyond just the money because you have to fix the home life balance, you have to fix the people that are addicted to drugs. This is a situation where a massive shift in our society needs to take place, but that shift needs to take place because it's not going to get fixed any other way. I could go on for much longer. So that's how you would fix the prison system. Massive societal reform, get rid of prisons, except for temporary holding facilities while we process your, you know, guilty or not situation. If you are guilty of nonviolent crime, either pay a fine, community service, whatever. I mean, there will be actions to your, your consequences to your actions, but yeah, I mean, if you commit crimes like raping four-year-olds, you're going to die. What about you, Justin? All right. So if I was going to reform the prison system, step one, same exact one as Ben's. Release every single person who is in there for something that has already been decriminalized. If you're in jail for, you know, selling an ounce of marijuana, if you are in jail for doing mushrooms, if you're in jail 
for something that really was recreational and actually wasn't harming anyone. You're simply jailed because it was illegal. Like, go home, especially if it's decriminalized, expunged from your record. Like, if you physically were not hurting a single person or endangering the life of anyone, you are a drain on taxpayer dollars. And quite frankly, you need to go do something and be reintroduced to society and get back to your family or get back to your life and go be productive because the correct place for you is not in a jail cell. Um, from there, low level offenders. These are the people like <clears throat> people with DUIs, um, people potentially who petty theft. Yep. Petty theft. Um, people who might have uh, mental health issues who acted and didn't get the appropriate kind of care. And instead of winding up in a mental health facility, wound up um, in the prison system. People who, um, you know, things that can be truly reformed. We need to take some of the prison funding and fund um, centers where these people can be sent, housed, not jailed, but truly reformed, given, um, you know, access to normal parts of living. Let them read, let them, you know, congregate in a cafeteria let them they can't leave the premises obviously maybe on supervised visits or whatever but the, the purpose of them being here is not to, for them to be miserable it's for them to recognize that they're eventually going to go back to society but the whole point of you being here is to learn from your actions and become better third is obviously i don't think that we can get rid of prison Altogether, I think there needs to be a place to put people who fall in between the spectrum of maybe um, like voluntary manslaughter or second degree murder um, versus like extremely violent crimes. Like, you know, you're you're a little too much of an offender to simply go and be with some guy who, you know, drove drunk and crashed into a tree because maybe you, I don't know spazzed out at a bar and beat up five people and now you have you know multiple stacks of assault and battery um there needs to be another place for these people where they can get reformed but also where they can be held and they can be reminded that like what you did has serious consequences but the number of people being held in these facilities needs to be dramatically reduced because if we can we need to put everyone you know on the path towards being reformed truly and then finally, we have all of our extremely violent or just horrible offenders. Chair, probably not chair, but yeah, you get next. Sorry. And, and there shouldn't be, we shouldn't be wasting any additional tax money on these people. Like we shouldn't be housing them for months or years on end, trying to figure out what we're going to do with them. Um, if it takes additional investment in the, in the justice system, maybe we pull that from you know, existing prison funding somewhere that <clears throat> we don't need it anymore since we're doing this, all this reforming um, in order to expedite the process because we need to be able to identify what these people did, try them, prove that they deserve this type of punishment and then punish them, okay? Because there's no point if someone is going to die and you know they're going to die that we should one, deprive them of, of a swift, execution and to waste the money. Um, so I think my vision for reform for reformation is truly, I guess what Ben said, burning, burning down the prison system. I mean, there's no way that the existing system could can function forever, nor should it, it, sh it really shouldn't. 
It's it's inhumane and it doesn't work on top of that. Uh, Will, I know you also asked, why should we care about inmates? I mean, <clears throat> it's the same it's the same idea as why should I care about an enemy soldier who I captured um, on the battlefield? I mean, why should I care about him? Why should I care about a 20 year old soldier who stumbled into my camp <clears throat> and we held him at gunpoint and he surrendered his weapon? Why shouldn't we just kill him and bury him right there? Because he doesn't know why he's there. Potentially, he might know why he's there, but it's not his war. It's not his fight. He didn't choose to be there. He was sent there. And I'm not saying that I'm not talking about soldiers. I'm talking about convicts. Correct. I, I understand that. But what I'm saying is it's not like inmates don't choose. A lot of the times they do. But there are circumstances outside of their control that oftentimes lead to them becoming convicts. Like Ben said, I mean, socioeconomic factors, cultural factors. I mean, there are certain groups in America that are just predisposed to crime and it's not their own fault. It's not like they're inherently bad people. They just grow up in bad situations. They don't have the support that they need. So maybe we take some of this funding from the prison system and we invested in our schools. We invested in our social services. You know, maybe we allow single mothers to put their kids somewhere while they're at work. Well, if they can't be at school, that they can put them there so that they're not just out getting into trouble. You know, we invest heavily in our infrastructure. We build up these communities that are vulnerable and give them the same chance that communities that aren't creating convicts have had all along. I think an important thing to recognize, Will, when you talk about why should we care about convicts, um, it's important not to rush to the arbitrary distinction between they and I as a human being. Uh, it's very slippery of a slope to say, well, they did X or they are Y and I'm not. So why should we care? Maybe that's just the Jew in me uh, with my little Jew radar going off. But that, you know, that seems self-evident as to why that's important. Um, but it's also if we're going to reform the prison system, we have to reform the justice system in America. Mm -hmm. Again, just as there are, you know, groups in our country that are predisposed to crime that are much more likely to face charges, you know, to, you know, and a very unfortunate example is how many white people are in jail for weed versus black or Hispanic. And it's literally only because even if in the same state, in the same relative area, that same amount of weed is illegal, how many cops are just out patrolling neighborhoods in white neighborhoods versus Hispanic or African-American neighborhoods? You know, it's a situation where like, because primarily privileged and educated white people are sitting in the chairs of the justice system and these minorities are not, that they are becoming the victims of the system. So I think it's important to address that as well. Furthermore, you know, as a fellow human beings, I think that's, you know, bare essential. I also really want to touch on the idea of execution. And I want to ask you, Will, why do you think executions are important? Executions are important because sometimes there are just some bad dogs that need to be put down. These are people that cannot be helped, that will not accept help, and if released into the world, will continue their acts of atrocity 
and heinous crimes until they die of natural causes. Executions are important because we need these people to be gone. Okay. Now, something from a historical perspective that has always interested me is our idea of a punishment and part of the reason why jail is so messed up now as opposed to what punishment systems looked like throughout most of human history is when you were tortured or physically punished for a crime, the suffering that you felt was the atonement for your crime. And, you know, if you were, you committed some awful crime, it wasn't, hey, we're going to lock you up for 30 years and you're going to think about what you did and then maybe we're going to re-implement you into society or whatever the argument for our current justice system is it was hey you stole from me the law says we get to chop off your hand this is going to suck for you and hopefully the pain and the suffering and the loss of your hand makes you realize maybe i shouldn't do that anymore i'm not saying that's justified or appropriate but that's how it was done somewhere along the line along the way we switched from this idea that the suffering and the, the, you know, the loss of your life being the punishment in a lot of these execution cases to, well, let's assign you 24 life sentences for being a serial killer. Because now you've robbed this individual of the rest of his life because now he's in solitary confinement in perpetuity or whatever the case may be. Which then begs the question of is execution more ethical than you know, prolonged isolation. It depends on what the guy did. Like I said, um, like at the beginning of the episode, cold-blooded, first-degree, premeditated murder, inject him. Put him down. He is is a cold-blooded killer in that case. But then Justin mentioned um, killings in the heat of the moment. That would be something like manslaughter charges. Now, manslaughter charges are different than murder charges. And because they are different than first degree cold-blooded killings, they should be uh, like tried differently by a jury or your peers. And if you come home from work, you know, have had a bad week and you find your wife in bed with another man and in a fit of rage, you end up killing both of them. That is something that should be certainly put into account. But when it comes to Perhaps what you've done is not bad enough to warrant an execution Then maybe you should be put in a a box in the ground for the rest of your life. And you should endure the torture of not having any external stimuli for the next 20 years or so that you live. Which you could argue is a case even worse than being put to sleep. I think arguably, yeah, sometimes death is the easiest way out for someone, for sure. I think, I think, um, execution in a lot of cases is more humane than locking up someone who's 25 and keeping them in jail until they're 85. Right. Certainly. Um, now it, it also begs the question, like, does someone does, if someone does something bad enough, does that, do they deserve the, what's the word i'm looking for do they deserve the i'm going to use easiness because my vocabulary is failing me at the moment Do they deserve the easiness of an execution or do they deserve the, to truly the not pay for the crime of an execution just, if you've committed a crime 
that's so egregious that you are convicted to death because of it and your mode of death will be lethal injection you're being let off too easy here's the thing hot take lethal injection is probably one of the worst ways to go probably honestly no yeah basically the the i've mean i've never been lethally injected so i can't say for sure but you're you're it's a sleep. What did, what did the Minotaur? What did the guy say? Those claims are unsubstantiated. <laughs> <laughs> um, you are being put to sleep, but that's a gross oversimplification of like the full organ failure and your you know your heart stopped beating and like my sister. I will use her as a good example. My sister snapped her tibia and fibula in her leg, and they had to be reset on the operating table, and she was under anesthesia, completely unconscious. And the doctor reset her bones and she still violently flailed and screamed under anesthesia, which really believe, leads me to like think like it doesn't actually stop anything from like hurting or feeling like you just don't remember, uh, which is also not the same. But anyway, um, the reason I bring this up is from a humane perspective in a number of ways. I think either firing squad, guillotine would probably be pretty synonymous with the most humane way to go. Um, and that's on the executioner side, as well as the less than willing, in most cases, victim. Um, primarily, it's only, it's only good if it's done correctly. Because imagine, like, you know, let's go back. Somebody's got a big old axe. They're going to chop your head off. Or the guillotine blade is blunt and they miss and they do not chop your head off and several spots. Why the would the guillotine blade. blade be blunt though? Because they're killing too many people. I don't know. Then we have I mean, an entirely different France problem. Right we shouldn't we shouldn't be killing that many people. I'm with Justin on this one for I mean, sure. Honestly, I think we have time I'm not even, I'm, I'm not even like the largest advocate for the death penalty. I don't think we should just be like lining people up. I just think Okay, okay. It was okay, bad example then, but you get my point. No, I, I totally understand your point. I just think that there are certain things that absolutely do warrant it, like <clears throat> assassination of, of a, you know, high ranking or important figure or treason or premeditated murder or, you know, rape in a, in a rape in any form, honestly. Like, yeah, those people do deserve the death sentence because like that, that can't be allowed in our society, but. Other than that, I mean, we shouldn't just be like lining people up and sending them through because it truly isn't that humane at all. The human lawnmower of the U.S. justice system. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I think somebody else say something. Uh, I have to answer this. If you are a repeat rapist, then you should just have your dick cut off. Absolutely. I mean, is he wrong, though? No. I mean, he ain't going to be raping anybody, at least not with that anymore. Fingers and if fingers. he still tries to rape people without a dick, then, you know. I feel like we're it. being slightly contradictory here because we have said that rapists deserve the death, death penalty. penalty. <laughs> and now we're like, yeah, just cut a sausage off. He'll be fine. Okay, now, is this going to be wait, right? Wait, wait. All right. Cybernetic dick enhancement. This is gonna get the this yeah. This is one yeah. Of let's the hottest not. possible take. I am gonna go ahead and get my stance out of the way and just say yes. 
I think it's abhorrent in any way, shape, or form. I think violating somebody else's, well, I mean, doesn't doesn't have to be a woman. It can be a man, obviously, a child, a man, a woman. But I'm saying specifically when we see it in cases of women, I think just it's just terrible. It's terrible to anybody. Yeah, it's it's unacceptable. Death. Death before dishonor. Will, what were you gonna say? Say cut off their dicks. And then if they rape a four-year-old, you know, put them down. I'm gonna just, <laughs> you know, I'm just gonna skirt past this. Jesus Christ. Um, I mean, I've already said multiple times what I think, but I guess I'll have to. All right, here's here's something. <clears throat> the prison system, as it stands, is geared towards punishment and not rehabilitation. Oh, for sure. Definitely. And that's the Bro, way it should be. No. Well, it should be? Yes. Will, you're canceled. Will, Will you might be we're gonna mute. We're going to mute Will for a minute here. Oh, scrap. Okay, now hear me out. Hear me out. No. All right. Fine. Go no, ahead. no, we'll hear you out. We'll hear you out. The reason that I asked if any of you guys had been to prison or been inside of a prison is because I wanted to hear what you guys thought of the people that you saw behind bars. Well, what did you observe of their behavior? I'll 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 answer that. Um, I have friends that work as prison guards, and I've actually been to prisons and I've talked with them extensively about what it's like and the amount of violence from the prison guards to the prisoners, um, as well as the prisoners on the prisoners is, and I hate to use this phrase, but like under reported and it's under addressed. You know, I talked with these guys that were like, oh yeah, it's almost daily where we'll bust into a prison cell and like break up a brawl. But then, you know, what does break up a brawl mean? And does that mean like four prison guards pounce on a dude and kick the shit out of him? Cause sometimes, yeah, it does. And then also, He's like, yeah, every other day, you know, somebody will get like a human turd thrown at him. It's like, okay, like that's messed up. Like imagine going to work, you know, and there's a 50-50 chance today's the day you get hit in the face with like somebody's feces. Not the ideal work environment, right? But it is definitely a situation in a system where the prisoners can be taken advantage of and nobody will ever know or ever be held accountable and i think that these factors are just uh they're derived from the system itself like we see violent prisoners and violent guards because the system is inherently violent and inherently inhumane right we had you know locations where the goal was to rehabilitate these people and they went into it knowing like okay i'm here to get better not i'm here to be punished for my crimes not i'm here to rot like if they knew that if they get better and they show real effort that life will get better then i think we would see a dramatic decrease in the amount of violent outbursts from inmates or guards i mean if you are treated like an animal you will react like an animal and i think even if, and I know this is a little mainstream, but if you look at the Stanford prison experiment, 
and I mean, you just make people guards and make people inmates. I mean, they're they're eventually going to fall into these patterns and they're going to start to fill the shoes of the role that you place them in. So if you place a prison guard at a, at a facility that is filled with violent inmates, because there you go, there you go. Not not uh, allowed in the prison system. <laughs> the, if you place them at a facility that's filled with violent inmates and the inmates are violent because of A, the way they are treated, B, the resources they have uh, access to, and C, the resources they don't have access to, and you're a new guard who comes in and you see the way the inmates treat each other and the way that the guards treat the inmates, then you're simply just going to fall into those same habits and patterns. But if that's why I don't think the system can be reformed. It's too far gone. 100%. What's alarming? Go ahead, Will. Fear keeps people in line. Absolutely not. Mm, yes, it does. In certain instances, but I don't know if prison is the correct one. When a cop passes by on the street or drives past you in his car, what feeling do you get? When a cop follows you on the freeway. I mean, or if they're cop... following me on the freeway, yeah, I'm uneasy. But it depends then again, if my license plate's expired. <laughs> that's going to create more of an instance for someone to mess up. You're going to be nervous. You're going to be anxious. Your blood pressure is going to rise. You might make a mistake trying not to make a mistake. And then you're pulled over. I mean, as someone who initially began their collegiate journey expecting to become a police officer and eventually a SWAT police officer, um, I have been very blessed to have overwhelmingly positive interactions with law enforcement. Um, and I've had more than I actually care to admit. But again, very, very blessed um, in that because I know that there are police officers that do not represent themselves or the ideals that they claim to hold dear well. And I have friends that have been the victims of those situations. Um, and that's a whole other podcast topic of police reform because absolutely large chunks of the policing system in the United States need reform. Absolutely. Like I, I, if, if you argue against that, are you thick? Like, <laughs> just absolutely mind boggling. However, the people that become police officers do it for the right reasons. People don't line up to become cops because it's a well-paying job with great benefits and time off for your family. Those people do it out of a mindset and a heart of servitude and to give back to their community, or in some cases, because they have family members or, you know, whatever. They are, however, victim to the situation that they find themselves in when they become police officers, which is a situation where dogmatic ideology exists and where, you know, people have decided some arbitrary, you know, what's legal, what's not, and the response to those things. And unfortunately, those patterns perpetuate. You know, I don't believe, I don't believe that any, you know, you could take any police officer put him through, you know, the correct trainings, the correct classes, the correct coaching and have him be a good officer. Like, I think that's absolutely fair. But if you place him in a department where, you know, racism is flagrant, where discrimination against certain individuals or, you know, excessive force is commonplace, like they're going to fall into these same practices. And so again, police reform is just as important, if not more important 
than the prison system reform. But I think that the two together would create a massive shift in our society, which is why when I run for the president 20 years from now, we're going to do both. I don't think you're going to be running for president after this podcast. So like I said earlier, fear keeps people in line. And it is my fear of being tossed into that messed up system with all of those, the, the wife beaters and the killers and the murderers and the drunk drivers and all the gang members that keeps me on the straight and narrow. And if you if you reform that system, when it does, it does need some reform. I will agree that it does need some reform and there does need to be more resources allocated to um, rehabilitation as opposed to punishment. But for the recidivists that are out there, they should stay in jail. And be, uh, fear of being tossed into that society and coming out somebody different than went in is what prevents me from being a lawbreaker. And if you reform just, prison, ultimately, you will remove a factor of fear of going to jail. I disagree. I don't think the fear of breaking the law is what keeps you from breaking the law. No, it's not fear of breaking the law. It's fear of being in jail. I still don't think it's the fear of being in jail that's keeping you from breaking the law. I don't think I people think, who break the law are thinking about jail in the heat of the moment. Right, 100%. I think you, Justin, and I are individuals who were given a sense of morality at a young age that evolved throughout our lives, our different religious views, our different societal views. And through that worldview, we look at the world and agree to be in the framework of the laws that are written. I don't necessarily make decisions like when I'm on the highway. Well, here's an example, because I definitely break the law when I drive. Like I, shocker, have gone over the speed limit. But I'm not sitting there thinking, oh, man, I'm breaking the speed limit. They're going to throw me in jail, which can happen, like depending on your severity and the frequency. Like, yeah, you could go to jail for breaking, you know, breaking the speed limit. And an argument can be made that speed limits are arbitrary and stupid, especially with modern technology. But that's a conversation for another time. Personally, huge proponent of the Autobahn and the abolition of speed limits on highways. It doesn't make sense to me. Anywho. Um, but again, I don't think it's the fear of going to jail that keeps me from murdering someone. I think the thing that keeps me from murdering someone is there are other responses that are much more, not just legal, but also ethical, moral, and rational than murder. Like I don't what? not murder people because I don't want to go to jail. I don't not murder people because it's not in alignment with my beliefs. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've wanted revenge on people, but I've never thought about killing anyone, really. Like, it's more so like in petty means. Like, yeah, I think Ben is exactly correct. Like, if my neighbor keeps parking in my, you know, driveway or whatever reason, my first instinct is not like, oh, well, like, I really want to kill him, but I'm pretty scared about what's going to happen if I get sent to prison. There's all the people in there. It's just more like, okay, I will, I don't know do something like like do something else to to get to get back at him i guess yeah let me not elaborate on that but uh <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think do you guys remember do you guys remember this is like right before vine got big and maybe this was just a mid midwest illinois thing people would like 
take dog poop in bags and light it on fire on people's like doorsteps. Yeah, well, that was absolutely a thing. That was totally and they would like ding dong ditch and they'd be like, surprise, it's burning shit. Yeah, I just am not sure that I think fear is the most effective way absolutely not. to keep people out of jail. Bro, or... Green Lantern has said this for decades. <laughs> what has Green Lantern said? It's about willpower. I mean, arguably so. Yeah, I think I think we it's it's hard to look at this through a different lens because all we've ever known is the American prison system. And if it was reformed, we'd probably have differing opinions. And right now we're working with what we have and it's hard to speculate. But, um, you know, you can only deter someone from doing something so much. You can make the same argument about anything. You can only deter another country from invading another one so much. Haha, <laughs> recent events. You can only... Uh stop gun crime so much with gun laws you know it's careful you can only... <laughs> <laughs> i know i know yeah it's like if someone truly wants to do something they're gonna do it in the heat of the moment if i'm premeditated like i despise ben mcelroy i'm going to go to his house tomorrow night at 5 p.m wait outside with a sawed off outside his door and when he steps out i'm gonna blow him away i am not thinking about the repercussions yeah, look, now you're like, oh, snap, I'm not, I'm not going outside tomorrow. <laughs> um, we staying in, boys. You're not thinking about the repercussions. You're not like, oh, I'm going to be locked up with those savages in there. All <laughs> you're thinking about is I need to make sure that my plan goes through. And then you are forced to face the consequences afterwards. Now, one thing that interests me about this conversation is the American prison system and the American you know, policy on public execution are products of, you know, it's society, it's people. What Justin just said rings really true is that like, we could have been born 20 years ago or 20 years from now and be having this exact same conversation, but our answers would look differently because of different, different cultural and events going on, right? Uh, like, unfortunately, we are in the post George Floyd era of police. You know, yeah, like we are. that, that I truly believe that'll be a, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's already history books about it, but that's going to be a big turning page in not just the American perception of police, but also in police reform and police overwatch and oversight and accountability. Because again, I'm a huge factor of police reform. Huge. Like, again, I was going to school to be a police officer. Life happened and I'm no longer on that path, but it's a very important thing. And it's reassuring and reaffirming to me that, like, my college professors who were all retired police officers were also huge proponents of reform and change and growth and, you know, a step in the right direction because they, too, saw the failures of our public public justice system. I, I think that we have a lot of work to do as, you know, the, the youth and the young voters in our country. You know, we have the rest of our lives to make the changes that we want. You know, at some point, and this all comes back around to personal responsibility, we can't just keep blaming current problems on what the boomers did 
or you know now like the forgotten generation or the gen xers or whatever like those groups are slowly dwindling in population are slowly dwindling in their power on the on the u.s system it is now becoming a situation where 40 year olds 50 year olds and below are the controlling majority of the population if change is going to happen it's going to happen now and we are responsible so get out there vote for me in 20 years and we'll see what we can do <laughs> i'm like 95 percent kidding but like yeah you ain't even gonna make it that far fam <laughs> Run for governor first. Yeah, you, right. you guys know those like those TikToks where they're like, he's like, we're going to be great. And then the movie ends and it's like, and I'm hopeful. And it's yes. like, Ben died in a car accident three <laughs> weeks later. <laughs> ben McElroy was arrested at his first presidential rally for comments made at a 20-year-old podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hate, crime, hate, hate speech. Right. The, the, the first thing we do after this podcast is revoke the First Amendment or some crazy. <laughs> Please this podcast don't. will come back to haunt me. I know it. Oh, I know. I Dude, I'm literally, I'm literally sitting here. I'm like, oh, if you guys want to get okay, if you guys really want to worry about what you're saying on the podcast, then get on my level with the controversy. All right. Nope. Say <laughs> things that, that people will disagree with. You can't be afraid to say how you truly feel. I'm not saying that you didn't. But. 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 You know, the funny thing about grammar <laughs> is everything you say before you the word say but. Feel, but I am a bitch. Like. <laughs> here's, like, I'm not going to say here's the thing. See now. Hey, yo. <laughs> I believe one of the greatest factors of this group in this podcast is, at least personally, I do say what I think. I am not reserved in my opinions, and I'm certainly not ashamed of the way that I think and the way that I view things. You know, if you or Justin decide and say, hey, like, Ben, I disagree with you, and here's my supporting evidence, I'm willing to reconsider my position. You know, I believe at multiple points throughout these podcasts that I've said like, hey, like that's a good point or like that's a lot. To like, you know, whatever. Part of the joy of having you as friends is to challenge my worldview. It's far too easy to get wrapped up in a setting where everyone around you thinks like you, acts like you, you know, shares very similar levels of socioeconomic success, education to challenge yourself to experience the views of people that disagree with like dissent from your opinions is so important right now and so i just want to thank you guys for some honest discourse on some controversial topics likewise um, absolutely likewise i think it's fantastic that you know we started doing this in the first place i think it's great that we're open-minded enough to listen and to whether it's critique or just have discourse but we're also firm enough to stand for what it is and yet not hard-headed enough to be unwilling to truly think and reform our own thoughts can't say the same for the youtube comments but 
<laughs> no, YouTube comments always going to be, uh, you know. Those, yeah, those are always going to be rough. Here's the thing. When we get the YouTube comments. No, 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 no. See, no, you just voided whatever you're going to say because you just said here's the thing. Pick a different set of words. I think. The thing about that is. <laughs> want to get spicy. I'm just saying we should have a pop culture debate because, or like maybe not pop culture, but we should have. Here's the thing, Justin. We don't have culture. You just said here's the thing again. Anybody who says white don't have, have culture is fucking wrong. No, I'm just saying we should have a conversation about something where our reaction is not to be like, oh, is that your opinion? Like, please elaborate. We should have something evoke such a strong reaction that truly one of us is like, no, no, no. Like, you're wrong. Like, get out of here. It's <laughs> not a bad idea. We take suggestions, please, in the comments or message us. Um we're always looking for new topics. I'm very down. I think I think a pop culture like here's the thing. The Beatles, not that good. You know, I, I just really want to give a shout out. I don't know who you are, but I know that somewhere out there there is a listener to this podcast that I am your favorite of the trio. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, truly, I don't know who you are, but I appreciate you. You are a real one. Okay, let it be known. I'm thinking about you. 